everyone. Welcome to episode 200 of the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. Today is a milestone in podcasting history. So what do you think, guys? Agreed. Yes. Yes. The big 2-0-0. Can't believe it. I remember number one, you know, um, many moons ago. But I just want to say thank you. Uh, to everybody who's been along the ride for however many episodes you've been following us because uh, we wouldn't have made it to 200 without you. Yeah, I just yeah. want to thank a lot of the newer, we, we seem to have in the last year, you know, maybe two years, just a lot of a lot of new listeners and, um, you know, really cool hearing from everybody. And uh, I love the Necrophone and all the Necro voicemails and, yes. you know, the comments and the interaction. And it's like, a really positive thing, you know, and it's like, I, I have a generally negative view of social media, but I think it's cool to have like interaction with people and talk about like cool stuff, like movies and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Totally we have agree. this Instagram thing going on for sure. Um, and it, it's, you know, it, it's been great to see the show grow and, you know, the, when we added uh, Jeff, uh, Mr. Jeff, things uh, took a positive turn. Yeah. Shockingly, you're, you're like uh, just a just a fan favorite, man. You know, everyone he's like the uh, the the dark horse of uh, of the three of us. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I've been doing this with you guys for I think three years now, mm. and I remember my first episode. We, me and Mike uh, Hill, there we did the Halloween 2018, a movie you guys already covered, but we decided to. I don't know. I guess that was my. Uh, my uh, training day or something. I don't know. Uh, I just remember how nervous I was and self-conscious and uh, I kind of still am, (laughs) but uh, it's just, you know, becoming like second nature. And I've really enjoyed doing this with you guys. It's something I look forward to every, every week and talking about it with other horror fans. uh, That's been a lot of fun. I I just reiterate what Mike said, that the interaction with people who listen is probably the most fun part of doing this. And also how uh, the integration into the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse, which kind of sprang up out of, out of the ether, you know, and that Mm, really positive thing too, like being part of this group and everyone interacting and, being, being part of each other's shows and you know that's just it's just a positive thing in, in like a world of shadows that most of us seem to be living in you know and i just really i look forward to it and it, i get a lot of strength out of this whole thing too you know hey mike hill what the first the first horseman would you say was who that's an excellent question man this is almost like uh like some kind of folk story because you know how like like the uh mythology behind everything there's all these debates as to who is the first horseman that's an excellent <laughs> question man maybe i think we have to give credit to jackie smith about all with all this sort of stuff you know what I mean? yes because i think you and him had that connection and i would say right there is brandon legion yeah. is, is yep. like right there but yep. jackie might have been maybe before him um yeah yeah, because Jackie and I started. Uh, this is back to the metal metal matters days. I right, doing, right. I was hosting Gimme Radio's podcast, and um, he well, all right. He interviewed me when one of the Tombs albums came out, either mm-hmm. EP Monarchy of Shadows. I think that's when Jackie and I met. Mm-hmm. And then I had we just stayed in touch, and uh, then I had him on Metal Matters to talk about. Um, like a, a record, I think it was uh, one of the uh, Gorgoroth records. Okay. Uh, and then from there, things, you know, Brandon Legion was around, and then everything just kind of grew from there. Yeah, because Brandon, Brandon was a, a listener. He was like a like a loyal listener who who would just hit us up and and you know what I'm saying and like yeah. reach out to us and became friends with him. And then you and then like I, you were on his show first, something like that. Or I'm trying to remember the whole chronology, but. It is kind of cool how how that all came together and and how everybody supports everybody and that's definitely you know something to to give the the thumbs up to on this two hundredth episode. Yeah, Brandon Brandon actually had a blog like before he did the podcast called Horror Wolf Six 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 and that was like it was all writing it was like written reviews and things like that mm. and uh, he and I had been in contact and um, 
you know, just like, you know, corresponding, messaging each other. And he was talking about how oh, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. I'm like, go for it, dude. You know, mm -hmm. fucking I totally back that. And then Carl and I were just over the pandemic. He was one of these people that we just got in touch, man, from, you know, just sitting at home all the time. And then suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, you're, you like H.P. Lovecraft. Like, check this stuff out. Like, you are into this, like, weird esoteric stuff. Like, here, we just started talking about, you know, esoteric, like, mythology and, like, weird fiction and cosmic horror and Lovecraft and, you know, and, and uh, Thomas Ligotti and, like, all that sort of stuff. And then, lo and behold, Soul Knox came into existence. Mm. And that's that's been killing it, man. His, his episodes are great. And we have the Darkness Weaves collaboration. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, uh, Spitball Media, your connection yep. with John, your brother. Yeah. And then uh, the newest member is uh, Cheyenne's uh, show, Iblis Manifestations. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I had Cheyenne on on the episode on uh, Everything Went Black a number of years ago. Um, and Jackie, of course, has had him on Necrosphere a bunch of times. And uh, yeah. it's everything's just kind of expanding. And it's just really cool, man. I, like, I mean, Cheyenne's coming back on Everything Went Black, too, because, you know, their new album is great. And... Uh, yeah, and then they're all on each other's shows, and it's all we have, we have these crossover episodes, and it's just it's like uh, Marvel Comics or something. It's cool. <laughs> and, and what's funny, uh, new listeners or, or listeners who just don't know, this all began with a Serbian film many moons ago. <laughs> it's all Serbian film's fault. <laughs> yeah, what like an insane first episode! episode. <laughs> that movie out of all the movies, <laughs> man. So yeah, that um. Yeah, that, that's pretty much, but let's, let's run down since we're talking about everyone, let's, let's run down the basic schedule. You know, the week kicks off with Brandon Legion's R Wolf 666. That's right. And, and we lead into uh, the best uh, metal podcast on the internet into the necrosphere with the aforementioned Jackie Smith. Wednesdays, everything went black, which is, uh, you never know what you're going to get on that show every week. You can mm -hmm. have the Adams family. You can have Josh Barnett. <laughs> you can have. Uh, you know, Muay Thai fighters, you could have, uh, you know, just me talking about stuff. You could have Ralph, you know, whatever. And then Thursday, of course, is Necro Thursday, which is today. And um, okay. all three of us, one at a time, usually. There's a momentous event, so all three are together. Mm -hmm. Friday is Spitball Media, John's, John Draper. Mike That's Hill. right. Saturday is a day off. Saturday is a, go a day to go to Costco, you know. Mm -hmm. Go and hang out in the nice weather, which we're experiencing in the fall right now. You know, it's mm -hmm. November coming fire. So right. go ahead and enjoy the beautiful weather. Sunday, of course, the Lord's Day, Carl comes at you with soul knocks. And that's just an exploration into all things like dark and arcane and esoteric. And of course, we have the Darkness Weaves collaboration that we're working on. And Cheyenne is just too much of a free spirit to uh, stick to a regular schedule. So he just kind of you know he's out there in in the in the in the dimensional world, collecting data, then deploying information on you whenever he finds that that the moment is right. That's so, right. Yes, yeah, so he's got <laughs> keep your eyes and ears open for Cheyenne's Iblis manifestations. The free spirit, kind of like I said, kind of like how Necro was. Necro was once a very free spirit at one point. It was uh, very uh, by the seat of our vintage pants, as Kramer right. said in Seinfeld. Yes, so. I remember that just listening, like uh, one would just randomly pop up here and there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like they're, you know, podcasting wasn't such like a, you know, like a scheduled, like regimented thing, you know, just a lot of shows would just show up randomly, you know? Yeah. Indeed. So, have you guys been checking out anything cool in the last uh, couple of days or weeks or whatever? Uh, well, since you guys covered this movie, I guess I thought I, I should bring it up. Um, I watched When Evil Lurks last week, which you guys covered. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike and I covered Terrified uh, as well. And uh, obviously, When Evil Lurks came up a lot. And uh, so, yeah, well, I'm going to watch it tonight. And uh, man, 2023 has been a really rough year for horror films, as we, as we keep discussing. Mm -hmm. But then... This movie comes out, and not only is I think it's the best movie of the year. This is top three, maybe, of horror films of the last twenty three years. Mm, interesting, yeah. Very unexpected movie. to to love it as much as I did. 
I completely agree. And I think that Damien Rugna is like going to be a huge name in, in the horror film industry. I think that, you know, he is going to hopefully continue making quality films like that. And that really are really unique takes on just basic tropes. I mean, between terrified and, um, and when evil lurks, it's like possession, but its own, his own version of possession films. There's like mm. cos- cosmic horror in, in terrified mm. and it's his own, his own twist on that. And it just, each of, each of those films that they like, it's going to be the one of those scenarios with him when he makes a movie, you're going to check it out. And it's going to be like, Oh, this is a Damien Rugna film. Cause it has such mm. a unique like signature to it. You know? Absolutely. I have a feeling Hollywood is going to come knocking for him very soon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was a really good movie. I started watching uh, Terrified. Uh, I'm just only like 15 minutes into it because I was enjoying the Stallone documentary on Netflix, which is uh, which just went up, I think, was it last week or a few days ago? Really, really good, actually. Uh, I, I definitely learned some things about him that I, I definitely did not know. Um, interesting guy, much smarter guy than I think people believe he is. So that's, oh, yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that a lot of it is shot in, in his home and he, he might be one of the only celebrities to have multiple, multiple statues and busts of himself. In his home, <laughs> yes, on the property inside the house, he has Rambo busts, he has Rocky busts, he has Cobra busts. He's got. He, it almost looks like the home of a sly fanboy, but no, it is in fact his home. So that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I have a friend actually who works for the the place that manages that uh, private property uh, area that he lives in. Um, mm-hmm. I won't say where it is, but oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she has uh, said to me several times that uh, Stallone is one of the nicest people she's ever had to deal with. Wow, so that's good to hear. That is yeah. Good to hear. yeah, it's it's I kind of must see. I mean, we all love Cobra, you know. I'm we all yes. Rocky and Rambo, and um, yeah, like I learned some things about like First Blood and Rambo that I definitely didn't know, and some some definite you know fact Rocky factoids. Uh, Dolph Lundgren put uh, Sly in the hospital for nine days during the filming of Rocky IV. Nine days. Wow. Uh, that's how intense those fights were and those punches were. Yeah, it's 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 really great. I almost, I mean, it's almost worth watching twice. It's like you know. Well, the the really interesting thing about that is like obviously Sylvester Stallone hasn't known boxing skill at all and. Mm. and- <laughs> And Dolph Lundgren is actually like a like a Kyokushin karate like black belt like kickboxer from in Europe. So mm. it's not surprising that that when he was touching him up like that, that if yeah. they were going like seventy percent, that he was hitting it with some heat. You know, he wow. said he, that he was going to die. <laughs> it's like why? Imagine <laughs> dying for Rocky Four. <laughs> that's a solid one. That's a that's a good one though, man. No, it is good. It is good. I mean, it's yeah. you could argue it's it's you know it's the last of its of its kind uh, for for that until you get into you know the the modern era. Um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely highly uh, entertaining. Um, Where did you watch that, Mike? Uh, Netflix. Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix. Okay. And uh, the killer is also now on Netflix, which I may watch today. Uh, seeing nothing but bad things about it, though, but I'm still going to watch it. Really? Bad things? I think it was um, cool. mm, okay. You saw it? No, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, it's like it looks awesome. I don't know. I mean, I it's a uh, David Fincher. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so just weird takes. I mean, look, who? Look, I may love it, you know what I'm saying? But I, I, I saw some weird things in my Facebook uh, a feed about it. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm watching that tonight myself. Cool, cool. We, we've been on this uh, re- revisitation of the Rocky films, so we we're, we made it up to uh, Tina and I made it up to uh, Rocky Four mm-hmm. so far, and and the very the first Rocky movie is just a great movie, man. Straight yeah. up, just like yeah. a gritty like film, you know. It's like if they never made another one of those, like the first one would stand alone as just being like a classic movie, classic 70s, you know, early 80s like like drama, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I think four was the how many were there was four. Then there was the one where Rocky's homeless or something is. I think that's Rocky <laughs> five. And then there was six. And then there was the Creed movies. Do I got that right? I, okay. Yes. It goes Rocky four, 85, Rocky five, 1990, which is very iffy. And then Rocky Balboa in 06, which is a good movie. Rocky Balboa is really good. Movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed the 06 one. Definitely. Yeah. And then Creed kicks off in 2015. I forgot that there was such a big leap of time in between Rocky Balboa and Creed. Yeah, but me, yeah, there me is. too. Um, um, sadly, have not seen Creed 1, 2, or 3. I need to amend that. Not seen them. Yeah. Hmm. yeah I haven't seen any yeah. of those either. I haven't seen any of those films. They're okay. They're okay? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, people rave about them. Uh, they didn't really... I, they're, they're fine. You know, they're not terrible, but they don't really stick uh, stick in the memory for me. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Um, speaking of the 80s, I just want to give a show. My girlfriend is downstairs playing RoboCop Rogue City, the new PlayStation 5 RoboCop game. Ah, nice. Uh, it's, uh, it's quite fun. I don't know. I'm not really a big gamer, but getting to run around uh, as RoboCop and shooting things. Yeah, I recommend it. I've been feeling a, a, like a, a rewatch of RoboCop 1 and 2 coming on. Both of those films are great. And like RoboCop 2 is, it's got the, uh, uh, that's like a Frank Miller like script, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, I haven't seen RoboCop 2, I think, since it came out. I don't remember liking it. The first one is a classic. And uh, I mean, hard to recapture that, I would say. Uh the remake was god awful. Uh, the third film in the series was pretty bad. I guess this game takes place between RoboCop two and three, so it's part of the overall RoboCop canon. Uh, so if you're a gamer, check that out. It's a lot of fun. We uh, covered RoboCop. Uh, Long time listeners may know, right, Michael? Many moons ago. Right. That's right. Of course, that's like you know a must for us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the best. Recently, I, there's a new Adams Family film, and um, you know, you guys who listen to Everything Went Black, I just had them on recently. I had uh, John and Toby on, and um, so I did. I watched Where the Devil Roams, and that's their new film, which is in the theaters mm. now. So you can catch it for a limited run. Like I don't know what city specifically it's playing in. I know there was a Philly date. I know that there's a there was a run in New York City here, and uh, Rennie went to go see it, and um, he said John was there doing Q and A. And uh, he was like the coolest guy, he said hello and greeted everyone when they came into the theater and st- stuck around for a long time. And Rennie spoke to John and he's like, uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm friends with Mike. And they're like, oh, yeah, we love Mike. So that was oh, nice. Yeah. And um, but yeah, the movie itself, it's a huge I mean, I'm a fan of all their films, but this is like a real step forward in just everything like the writing, mm. even the acting. I mean, these they don't use like actors like quote unquote, you know, real, but they use, they use, you know, some actors who are maybe not so much in films or maybe voice actors and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then just regular people. Like there are just like, there's a, there's a role in the film where their neighbor plays it, you know what I mean? Just old lady. And, uh, and you know, neither John or Toby are, well, well, Toby has um acting background, but um, you know, they're not Hollywood people, you know, they do everything right. DIY, very punk rock. And the, for the every time I talk to those guys, John always reminds me that his approach to filmmaking is like the SST black flag model. So I'm like, right, right then and there, it just like very much, you know, resonates with me with that attitude, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Amazing. So I highly recommend that it's in a theatrical run right now. And I'm sure it's going to show up on, you know, shutter or somewhere streaming at some point soon. I'm not sure when the, the, the streaming debut is. Yeah, I think it's at the Draft House. Um, they said something on, on your podcast that the Draft House was going to be showing it. So, that was when uh, it showed in the city here in, in New York. It was at, playing at the Draft House. And um, I might try to catch it uh, in the theater. Um, tomorrow, we're going to see the Lunachicks documentary in, in, mm. in Manhattan. That should be really interesting. Mm. Nice. I thought about them in quite a while. They're, I mean, I, Mike, you you probably, you know, you have probably have seen them a number of times too. And uh, 
you know, all, you know I, I, they were a great live band, I thought, you know, excellent band. They're not a band I ever would go home and put on, but they were a huge part of the the '90s scene in, in Manhattan. And you know, I mean, I've 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 seen them live, yes. Um, and I always thought the singer Theo was awesome. I mean, she's, you know, beautiful, talented woman. Um, but uh, I would definitely watch that doc. So yeah. Well, we got tickets for tomorrow, and uh, didn't Theo own a restaurant like on on Manhattan Avenue for a while in in Brooklyn? Or I'm am I sure. making that up? Can't <laughs> confirm or deny, as they say. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, yeah, definite. Like you know, New York City punk fixture. You know, important band. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to that because I always, you know, as as I go through life, you know that that '90s period was like you know a very formative period of my life, and yeah. uh, I like uh, you know revisit that time it's always like super nostalgic and you know it's a place mm -hmm. that doesn't, doesn't exist like that anymore so yeah the, the 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 new york of the lunatics does not exist it literally does not exist at all which is kind of sad i mean they were a cbgb coney island high wetlands band you know what i'm saying and mm. those places don't exist you know which a, a tremendous part of the new york scene was the were those three clubs so you know uh, but yeah, they, they did a reunion gig, I think a few years back. It was really big. And a friend of mine came in from Canada to see it. And, you know, they, wow. they have a, a decent fan base for sure. Yeah. Coney Island High was awesome because they had that. Hell yeah. They also had that, that small room too. And um, I used to love going to shows there. And yeah. uh, brownies. you can't forget brownies too. Brownies oh, man. Yep. Mm. I saw you yeah. perform at brownies, Jeff. I saw, I saw uh, ISIS at brownies. Yep, uh, Isis and Botch. Uh, I remember it was like 2000, probably. Wow. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, that was an amazing club. I it, it wasn't very big, but like it was just there was such a, a vibe to that room. Uh, hmm. You know, uh, I mean, New York had so many great clubs and that that are that are gone now. I also got to play Coney Island High a few times, CBGBs yeah. a few times. Uh, yeah. CBGB's was a dump, but man, that was one of the best sounding rooms ever. Yep. Mm -hmm. Fucking shame. Yeah, it was a good time, man. And like just being there and the vibe and, you know, it was, it's just like the fact that it's gone is kind of a drag, but that neighborhood can never have a place like that right now, you know? No. Um, speaking of music, I saw Suffocation and Incantation on Thursday, which uh, with Hank in a couple of pals uh great show really great show i think the new suffocation record um with the new singer uh rick is is fucking awesome um you know and incantation always put on a great show uh try to never miss those bands when they when they come to town so it's a lot of fun absolutely um speaking of shows i was supposed to go see oxbow tomorrow but the show has been canceled <laughs> what happened what, what, why uh, well, according to Eugene on uh, Facebook, um, uh, I don't think they the club sold enough tickets or something like that, and mm. so they canceled the show, not the band. Uh, oh. Which pretty shitty, man. That's uh, really bummed out. I was so excited to see Oxbow. It's been forever. Like maybe Texas not liking black people has something to do with it. Maybe <laughs> it could be. I don't know. Um, so wait, what's what city in Texas? Austin. Oh, then no, nah, that's not it, Mike. Come on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. I just want to make sure that there's no like, you know, Nazi activity. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> it, is, it is Texas. Not that I know of. I, I can I can look further into it <laughs> if you want. I can do a necromaniacs investigation. Oh, boy. I think you'll find a lot of blue hair in Austin. That's what I think you'll find. <laughs> a lot of blue yeah, hair. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I, I've lived here for a year and a half. I've only seen a, a handful of people with blue hair. <laughs> just a handful. Just a handful, right? Yeah. <laughs> we got plans to see Goat Horror next week. Um, they're coming through. They're on tour at Withered, uh, and they're they're one of the greatest live bands ever. And um, really excited about seeing those guys. I try to catch them whenever I can. Um, in my lifetime, I think I've seen Goat Horror probably thirty plus times since we did wow. a U.S. tour with them a couple of years ago. And uh, hmm. always, always, always bring it, man. They're like. And they've been a band for like what, like almost thirty, I think thirty years too, right? Probably Maybe a little shy of that, yeah. 
Yeah, they started in the 90s. It was like a side project. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, Ben was doing uh, Sonic Green. Sammy was in Crowbar and for that acid bath. And uh, it was always like the second fiddle for those guys. And then in the last, like, I would say maybe eight years, it's become like they've really picked up a lot of a lot of steam and are like, like legitimately selling records and drawing crowds. And they're doing really great right now. That's awesome. Ben is a great dude, man. Uh, I spent, uh, I think we did a four week tour with Soylent Green. Oh, they uh, you guys in Soylent Green. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were definitely the odd man out on that tour. <laughs> um, but uh, Ben is such a good dude, and I wish him all the success. I uh, fucking love that guy. Tell him I said hi, please. If you talk, oh, I will, him. man. Definitely. Um, at the uh, the first time I saw Ben form was I think in the Middle East. Maybe you guys even played that show as I Hate Gods and Soylent Green. And Crowbar. Yeah, we did. We opened yeah. that. That was uh, our original keyboard player's last show. Yeah. Yeah. So I just remember hearing, I just heard that EP by Soylent Green. And I was like, oh, this is cool. So I went down there, you know, I made, you know, made sure I was there to see actually all the bands because I got there to catch you guys play too. Mm. And then when they came out on stage, I was like, holy shit, man. This fucking guy is like bringing it, man. Like this dude. And and he's been the same. And that was like in the 90s. That was like, what, like 97 or something like that? 98? So that guy's something. been... Something like that, yeah. Killing it for almost 30 years. You know what I mean? And it's that that's like with the same level of intensity and just like one of the most animated guys I've on in, in metal, really, on, on, on stage. He's got those fucking Nosferatu hands that he has, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has hands like Count Orlock. You know what I mean? He's got these yeah. long fingers and shit. You know, you're not wrong. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That's once again awesome. a must see band. That's next week uh, going to be at St. Vitus. So any of you guys in, uh, hey, anyone in New York listening to this, come and say hi. I'll be at the show. Oh, cool. All right. All right. Are we ready to discuss today's film? Oh, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, kids, for our 200th episode, we are talking about a new film, uh, I guess the 2023 film, and that is the Australian hit Talk to Me from Danny and Michael Philippou, directors, right? Yeah. I believe that's a Greek. Michael Philippou, yes. There you go. Okay. There. Well, maybe right. That's how you pronounce it. Maybe that's like a uh, people from Cyprus have names like that, I believe. Mm. Yeah, okay. So uh, it was released October 30th, 2022 in Adelaide. And then in July uh, 27th, 2023. So I, I, I imagine the 2022 release date was at a um, some kind of festival or something. Right. And yeah. then it, it hit the United States shores uh, probably around that time. I don't have the release date here. 95 minutes, 95 long minutes of runtime for this one. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, let me just go through the cast real quickly. we got Sophie Wilde as Mia, Alexandria Jensen as Jade, Joe, Joe Bird as Riley, Otis Donji as Daniel, Miranda Otto as Sue, Zoe Tarak Tarakis as Haley, and then like a bunch of other chuckleheads in this movie <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah who wants um, to start <laughs> yeah so um talk to me hmm, okay interesting interesting film. a lot I of people was, seem to love this movie right yeah it seems to be the general consensus is that is that it's the best horror film of 2023 um i didn't really see a trailer for this i i went into i saw this in the theater uh, a few months back, uh, I went in blind just based on, you know, comments I see and, and things like that. This is a great horror movie, blah, blah, blah. And I want to say I go into everything wanting to like it. I know I've said on this show before, I'm not a contrarian. I hope to like everything. Uh, so I went in with, with very high expectations and I left the theater a little confused as to what people are what people are seeing in this in, in this movie that i'm not seeing 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I did see a trailer for this. Uh, it was at another film at a movie theater. And um, I was like, man, this looks ridiculous to me. Like, you know, it was his hand, you know, it's like uh, immediately I thought of like, you know, getting jerked off or something like that by this random hand. You know, of course, that's me, you know. And yeah, and I, <laughs> I was like, I don't understand what, like immediately I didn't like any of the characters. This isn't the trailer. This isn't even mm -hmm. in the movie. And I was like, man, I might, I might have to, I might have to like skip this, man. I don't know, but unless you guys make me watch this, which you guys did for the twenty. Well, <laughs> for me, um, it's well, the movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a smash success. It's a budget of five million, uh, and it's made literally ninety plus million dollars. Um, you know, the word of the, the word of mouth is good and like the the, the youtube reviews are like they're all really good and like the summaries and blah 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 um the uh spitball media guys really like this movie my brother john liked it a lot um i i found it adequate i found it just okay uh i found it to be overhyped uh and you know i, I in a year of a very tepid year that 2023 is let's face it uh and we're not the only podcast saying this by the way i've seen other you know people talking about uh in the horror world how this year has has not been that great but i i part of me equates the success of this due to the fact that this year has not been so great whereas a movie that is just okay can now be elevated to a list what do you what do you think about that take Definitely i don't think yeah, I, I definitely think these guys are. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Jeff. I mean, no, 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 no. Go ahead, Mike. You probably have a more cohesive thought. <laughs> yeah, no, this is definitely a sandbagger film, man, for sure. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like uh, if if there were if this was like a, a year where there's a lot of excellent movies out, this no one would even care about this movie. You know what I mean? It right, would be just right. Like in the in the, the the pile of other films that no one watches, you know. But now since you know the only there's not a whole lot of competition out there it's like this is becoming this hyped up film where everyone's stoked on it you know maybe because they're just hungry for uh you know for good content you know and this is right, why i right. love it well but, um, i mean i yeah, kind of disagree i kind of disagree a little bit because the people who uh who love this movie are um raving that it's one of the best horror films not of the year but only of the year but at the last like 10 years or whatever like it has really resonated with people. Um, I mean, these guys were on the Joe Rogan experience. He's uh, tweeting or like making posts about this film. Like, it seems to be like getting to the non-horror crowd. Like, as as right. you know, oh, you don't like horror? Oh, you got to watch this. Like, it's becoming somewhat of a, uh, you know, um, um, sort of mainstream almost. Like, it's getting to that audience as well. So. While I agree that, like, yeah, it's a, a pretty tepid year, uh, and and for this year, I guess this is like you know a good horror film, but it, it's it's reaching beyond that for sure. Hmm. Like Joe Rogan is not a horror guy. Uh, I can't remember I, I the last time he's had a horror person on ever. So, yeah, for him to have it on, it does bring it to like take it to a whole nother level, and it almost kind of shows that yeah, the normos love this movie. Uh, don't get me wrong, like. <laughs> You know the normals love it uh but I i'm seeing a lot of people in the hard nerd discussion love it i mean i'm again I, I i feel like we're in the minority which we're not always in minority i mean this podcast is sometimes in minority but i feel like a lot of times i think this podcast gets it right on the nose but i feel like um people may think we are wrong on this one and i'll say this i think i liked it perhaps more than the both of you did um very possible. I, there were things that I thought were were, were pretty cool. Uh, I thought the the effects were cool. I thought it had some some decent scares. I didn't think it was a very scary movie overall. Uh, the the best parts were the 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 ugly teenager boy bashing his head against the you know the the various parts of the home. I mean that that was pretty sick and pretty intense. Yeah. Um, you know I. But I mean, if that's the highlight of the movie for me, it's it's not really that great a movie, you know. The the only thing I felt scary and disturbing was that that kid's 
face like that <laughs> uh, forehead the guy the guy who had the hands like his forehead made me made me very uncomfortable like the way very he was. strange looking young man um and i you know look let's uh you know i'll provide some color commentary here there's usually somebody in a horror movie that is like like a hot chick you know what i'm saying or like the hot dude yeah. and this movie i will say did not have that this movie took it made the directors maybe to their you know to give them the feather in the cap, so to speak. Everyone in the movie was, you know, looked like a teenager to me and seemed very kind of like plain and, and ordinary. And I don't know if that was a deliberate casting decision or if it was just, you know, there are a lot of mm -hmm. in Australia. I don't know. I don't want to offend the Australian audience, but it was, uh, it was, it was kind of interesting to, to note that, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't think I'm the only person who's noticed that either. Um, well, I've been to Australia a, a bunch, and uh, no, Australia is packed with beautiful people. There you go. Um, See? Okay. Okay. Um, but, you know, since we're talking about the cast, I do want to point out um, these guys are, you know, they're YouTube YouTubers. Uh, I saw some of their YouTube videos before the film started, uh, and I don't remember them. Mm -hmm. uh, but for people who have never made a feature film, I have to say this film is really well cast and acted. Yes, yes. They they feel yeah. like real teenagers. And I think, yeah. you know, the, the directors are probably right around the age of the cast, you know, early, early 20s. And I think they understand that generation well, obviously, because they're part of it. Whereas this is like, if this is a filmmaker more like our age, uh, this would kind of feel really cringy. And the dialogue would be really, I don't know, stilted. Like a lot of times I watch these horror films, about kids and they're written by people who are, you know, in their thirties or forties and they don't talk like kids talk. This feels very real to me, uh, that these are re like realistic, uh, depictions of friendship and the way they, uh, the characters interact. I, I thought that was really well done, especially for a, a first feature film. I got a take on that too, actually. Uh, the um, all right. So when you say YouTube, are these guys who like jump off of like cliffs and like smash light, you know, light bulbs over their head, or are they actually making films on YouTube? Like, I'm not. You know, I I don't remember, and I wish I did. Uh, I and it wasn't anything obnoxious. I'll, I'll say that like they weren't being like they weren't doing like pranks and and things like that, or it wasn't mean spirited. You know. Things I did like about the movie is number one that it's Australian because I just dig Australian movies. Like me too. You know, mm, and, yes, and Australian you know metal is awesome, and you know yep. the people I know that are from Australia are cool. You know, shout out to Selden Hunt. You know, like those those people are awesome. Oh, yeah. And uh, and I thought as a dramatic film, it worked because that's the thing I did like about it. Actually, is that even though I don't relate to these kids who are like seventeen years old with their phones and everything. Right. I thought that that story was told in a very cohesive way and the filmmaking was good and the acting was great, really great acting and casting, you know, and like was Jeff was saying, the dialogue was was pretty spot on with uh, how I imagine young people communicate with each other. Um, but just the horrific elements in the story for me were not um, didn't do anything for me. You know what I mean? Like the, the horror of the story did not resonate with me at all. You know? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I mean, it's sort of like a classic kids playing with a Ouija board setup, uh, more modernized. Uh, you know, uh, I, the lore of this movie felt a little muddled to me. I don't know. Maybe that, like, I, I had a hard time understanding some of the accents, so I, maybe I missed a lot. But there's just this this uh, hand that these kids kind of get uh, become in possession of and it has supernatural um elements and i think it's, it's just kind of funny that these kids are just treating it like it's completely normal like oh well you know we just found a portal to the dead and they're like you know their their phones are out and they're laughing and having a good time it, it was a funny way to react to something that is you know very supernatural and also there's like the heavy-handed uh element of drug drug abuse and drug addiction with this uh you know hands and i just thought that was like once again very heavy-handed and uh you know oh. where it's like i, I think yeah it's like they're, 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 they become obsessed with touching this hand and going mm. into this dimension 
and, uh, and you can see how like the guy with the funny face there is like the drug dealer kind of guy you know and people roll up to him and they're like oh i want you know i want to you know i want to touch this hand or whatever you know and it's like it has this uh sort of like element of of uh, addiction and abuse associated with it too yeah I, that's what i got out of the- it at least a lot of people comparing this to saying this film is a metaphor for addiction, trauma, uh, depression, things like that. Which you, know, you kind of hear that for every horror movie now. <laughs> Do you think Sorry. those two guys were getting that deep with this movie? It's a metaphor for drug, like addiction. Uh, uh, I mean, no, I don't think so. No, but I, I can see how people could get that out of it. Yeah, yeah. I can One see thing- it. I'm not saying it's great, but right. I, I can. I, that's what I felt because they, it just—they're at a party, and it just seems like everyone's doing. It seems like the the hand became like the drug. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. They were having parties around touching the hand, you know, and saying "talk to me" and all this stuff. You know? Yeah, these kids aren't hanging out partying, uh, you know, getting wasted or anything like that. They're playing this sort of you know modern Ouija board thing. Yeah. I am curious as, and apparently they might do a prequel as to the. The origin of the hand and the whole the whole how this whole thing started, which is not not really explored so much in the movie, and that might be on purpose. Um, I mean, again, I think, like I'm saying, I, I I might have enjoyed this a little more than you due to the fact that I would like to know more, and maybe if I knew more, I would have enjoyed it a little better. Like honestly, some of those party scenes were like I don't know. It almost made me turn the movie off because like oh. He's- People suck. This sucks. Like, you know what I'm like, it wasn't, I don't know. I found some of the other scenes to be a little more, you know, mm. it kept me, kept me around. Uh, I did like that the very first moment when you see the first, you know, apparition, I thought that was cool, you know? Um, and like I said, mm. I think the, the effects were well done and the, the acting was solid. Was just yeah. About the overall mood and vibe of the movie that I just, couldn't really resonate with and we we talked about this before we started rolling listeners about how you know we're we're older guys we're older you know gen x guys and this is a gen z horror movie directed by i would say guys who you know definitely born in the 90s so that makes them more millennials you know Mm. um and look that doesn't mean an older person can enjoy this movie but i think if you're dealing with people like the three of us on this podcast it just it takes a little more to kind of reel us in. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. And 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 Mike, um, you said something about scenes being a bit of a turnoff for you. I think I know why. There's three party scenes in the first thirty minutes of this movie. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like too much. It was like, oh. yeah. And then there was one that was kind of goofy, like a kind of a goofy one. And I was just like, oh god, this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and, and to their credit, that opening scene is is one take, hmm. uh, the, the, where the credits are rolling. That's, I mean, again, first time directors, uh, pretty complicated, I would imagine, to set something like that up. It's a a party shot, a lot of lot of moving um, components, and yeah, the guy goes, uh, you know, across the street into the house, into the bedroom, gets in the conflict with his brother. They go like, I I, I was like, oh, cool, that's a great opening shot. Uh, and then, yeah, we get like two more party scenes, so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's um, you know, and the concept though too is yeah, you know, it's you're going is a portal to like another dimension, and it's like to the, the land of the dead or something. I mean, that that's like some you know beyond kind of shit. You know, it's like it could have been like the store that premise itself could have been great. Uh, I, I was all in on a premise like that, but it just and I don't even I kind of like how the the origin of the hand is like ambiguous like at one point mm-hmm. they're like oh, this was the hand of a satanist or something and this is the you know the hand right of right witch. and you know how that i, I kind of think that's actually cool about how there it's like this ambiguous thing that no one knows where it came from and it has these like mm. weird sigils like on it and i i think that's cool you know but just i don't know man like i said the the horror elements just didn't do it for me you know what i mean it's like it's almost like if you took out the horror parts, it would be like, you know, the, the show Euphoria or something, maybe, you know? <laughs> yeah, with like, uh, yeah, I, I get that. Um, I think yeah, Euphoria more than this, though, straight up. I, I mean, yeah, I think uh, Euphoria is, is Euphoria is even more horrific than this to, to a degree. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, like, 
I guess we can talk like the horror elements. Yeah, they're just they're just not there. Like this just isn't a very scary film. And I know, you know, once you get older, horror films aren't as scary to you anymore. But after seeing something like When Evil Lurks, that movie got under my skin so much it like disturbed me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I can still be affected by a movie. Uh, And this, I, I just felt really nothing there wasn't even i don't even think there was a jump scare in the film at least not one that that comes to memory comes to mind in the very beginning maybe when they flickered with that you know when when um you know they the first instance where they did do the thing with the hand where it flares that's like only startling like jump scare but once you know what's going on it's just like ah whatever you know this is going to happen you know look as far as a scary movie right being scared i maintain I was scared watching Skinnamarink. I maintained Skinnamarink. Mm-hmm. To me, as a 50-year-old male, Skinnamarink really fucking fucked me up. It's a movie that I still think about from time to time. That that night I watched it, going to bed, being in the dark in my apartment was weird. I have not been affected like that in ages by a horror mm-hmm. movie. You know what I'm saying? It's oh, too, man. Yeah, it's- like... You know, and the environment that I watched that movie in too, I was basically alone in a movie theater in in Edison, you know, yeah. and like an AMC, and I was convinced that once I left, I would be in like some netherworld, you know, like yes. dude, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and even even walking like after I because it's like the, I was in a mall, right? And it's after hours, and it would it just that mall became like this liminal space, just like Skinnamarink, and I'm like, mm-hmm. and even exiting, there was no one there, and then I went out into the parking lot, and there were no cars. And my car was like in this completely empty, like it was one of those elevated parking garages. Cause like the, at the, you know, the Menlo park uh, mall, there's like a elevated parking lot to get to the AMC, not a single car. And I was like, I've been transported into this hell world, you know? And and it stuck with me too, man. And when I went home, I was like laying in the darkness of my bedroom and I'm just like, man, I'm alone completely. And it's weird, you know? Like much like Martyrs, I don't think I could ever watch Skinnamarink again. That's how good of a movie it is, and how good yeah. of a detective horror movie it is. You know what I'm saying? So we can't say there are movies like that being made. They're still being made. You can still there's still originality. There's still this and that. Um, talk to me. I will say the the story itself is it's a cool it's it's an original story. I mean, it's a kind of a riff, obviously. On you know like a monkey's paw Ouija board right thing, but there's a little, little more meat to it definitely you know, um it just might be something of a, a, a bit of a, a cultural age disconnect where we're looking for something a little more and a little a little different and we found it in Skinnamarink and we we well didn't really find it and talk to me. That's I, I yeah that's I think you just hit. The nail on the head with that that's exactly how i feel about it um this movie does have interesting elements that i feel like a lot of them didn't really go anywhere like there's the scene with the kangaroo towards the beginning of the film uh where they find uh a, a, a dying kangaroo in the on the road and uh, they're gonna put it out of its misery and, she, and mia can't do it and they're like oh, okay that's interesting there's really doesn't i don't know I felt like I was, uh, was hoping they'd go somewhere with that, but yes. they didn't. It went nowhere. It, it, they they show the kangaroo again later, right? In, yeah. like, in, in a different sequence. But no, there's nothing more to it. Like I thought, okay, she has a thing where she can't pill. Does that connect to anything? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is, is that, but yeah, that, that, that was a bit of a, a odd, you know, odd part yeah, of Yeah. And and maybe I missed something. I uh, I don't I don't know. Maybe, but uh, I don't know. I thought that would come. Back. There's also a thing in the beginning of the film with Mia having a cold. Did anyone else catch that? Yes, like, it's mentioned twice. So I was like, okay, that's going to be important, and uh, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, it wasn't important at all. Not wow, Jeff. Very good. Yep, another loose end. I mean, it's just a minor thing, but again, I'm like, okay, they've mentioned it twice, the sneak, like, so I was like, this is going to be significant. Nope. Uh, again, maybe it's something I missed. Um, there's a bit of a love triangle in this film, too, between uh, Mia, Jade, and Daniel. 
Right. And again, pretty interesting. Not only that, but Riley, the younger brother, seems to maybe have like a, a boyhood crush on Mia. Yes. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Interesting stuff there that I don't feel was uh, really, really explored at all. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's a short movie. Maybe, again, there's like a longer cut that wasn't wasn't playing as well, wasn't working as well. I can totally see that. Um, and I had to mention the opening scene with the brothers. That character uh, from the opening scene comes back and adds absolutely nothing to the story. <laughs> You know, because every horror movie has that scene where, like, the hero uh, seeks out someone who knows something about what's going on, and they're like reluctant to talk about it. That's in almost it's in a million horror movies, and this is just like, yeah, my brother's dead. Uh, later, <laughs> like, it doesn't he does it doesn't add anything into the movie. Oh, like, I, you know, it could have been completely cut out. I, I don't know. I just want to take. I want to. I want to talk real quickly about uh, Kyle Kyle Edward Bell, or mm-hmm. Kyle Edward, Edward Ball, the uh, the dude who made Skin and Marink, who is also mm-hmm. a young guy too. I believe. I don't know if he's as young as the brothers Philippou, but yeah, he's younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like a Gen Z guy, right? And also, a lot of those uh, analog horror YouTube types are part of that younger generation, and the kind of films they're making are not obsessed with like you know, being a kid, you know, it's like they're, they're a lot of those films and those projects are, have these, this very, very intense, like, well, first of all, like a retro vibe to it, but also um, this very weird. And I mean that in the sense of like a Legati esque kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, sort of preoccupation with, with those types of stories, with like dimensions and liminal spaces and like, you know, that kind of, negative space kind of trip and they have nothing to do with cell phones and parties and love triangles or anything like that, you know? And that's like, so, yeah, I mean, I guess like, even though, you know, the Philippu brothers are like young guys, I don't think that's maybe not indicative of what Gen Z horror fiction or horror movies might really, that might not be the, the end all that might be just one characteristic of like new generation, like horror, horror movies. Mm. Mm Hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know. I just felt like I had to add something like that because I, I really dislike. <laughs> I I want to believe that that uh, Kyle is going to be making more more movies and not going to be like overshadowed by the Philippu brothers. You know what I mean? Right. No. No. I I I get what you're saying. You know. Um, you know, and I appreciate you know like a younger generation. There's a lot of they're all going in in different directions, and there's a lot of different th- kinds of films you can make. Yeah, and. You know, while this one has like a, a technical skill I was not really ex- expecting and a command of actors I was not expecting, it's just the, the horror elements and it, it's just not there. I mm-hmm. feel like I've, I've seen this movie twice now and I don't, even when I was done watching it, I was like, is there even anything to talk about with this movie? Like, it's just not interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, Again, I... <sighs> It's going to be interesting to see where we all land score wise, but it's not a movie I would even watch a second time. Honestly, oh. I will say though, I may, I will watch a prequel just to see, like, because I am curious about the the origin of it. Um, I don't know if I would watch a sequel if the sequel does not delve into that. If it's just like a follow up with some of the same characters or whatever the hell, you know, that that won't really do it for me. Mm, but yeah. um, you know, I maintain that it has struck a nerve for two main reasons. And number one, the year itself, and number two, the the you know culturally, like you know what I'm saying. I think uh, when buzz movies are buzz movies, you know, mm-hmm. and much like there's a negative pile on effect, there's always a that can be the opposite, you know, positive. This is awesome effect. This is so great effect, right? And I think this movie is. You know, a part of it. This is so awesome because everyone else is saying how awesome it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know I get it. Like, you want to be in with the, the cool kids a little bit, a little bit of a right. maybe a bandwagon movie or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the second time through, I was like searching for something that, like, I was like, well, okay, everyone loves this movie. I'm missing something. Is there some sort of social message that people uh, agree with that resonates with them? And uh, I, I, li- I could not find anything 
that that well, I I can see why people would like this movie, but like the fact that people are calling it the best horror movie of the year, I'm just yeah, I'm just I'm not I'm not seeing it. And if you listen to this and uh, you, please leave us a and you love this movie, please leave us a comment or something like that because I I would, I would love to hear someone's perspective uh, from someone who loved it. Like you stack this against the 2022 movies, like you stack this against Barbarian or Nope, which I enjoyed, or like I think Black Phone is a better movie than this movie. I think Men is a black better movie. I think, you know, uh, yeah. there was a lot going on last year. Terrifier 2, obviously, I, I thought was, was a really good movie. Um, you know, even that movie Fresh, I thought was probably better than. Yeah, that was actually a surprising. That was a surprise for me too. But so, I what? Mean, uh, what? What do you want to add about about this uh, this movie here? Like, what? What kind of? How? How are we going to score this? This film. Ah, hmm. uh, that's a good. Okay. Like I said before, obviously this wasn't for me. It did absolutely nothing for me. But there are things about the film that work. Uh, it's well made. It is well acted. Uh, I think these directors have a bright future in whatever they want to do. Uh, just didn't do anything for me. There's no tone or atmosphere to this movie whatsoever. It just sort of sits there for me. Uh, we mentioned some positives. Uh, Riley beating his head in <laughs> while yeah. he's possessed. Mm -hmm. That was that was good. That's some good stuff. There is a foot sucking scene in the movie, which. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Good scene. It was a good scene. Yeah. Yeah. I like to know I do not have a thing for feet. Uh so don't don't get it twisted. Um but I I mean yeah, it just again, I saw it in the theater and by the time we got home, I had forgotten about it. And I watched it last night on the couch and by the time I went up to uh you know, go pee or whatever, I'd forgotten about it. It just this didn't do anything for me, but technically well made. Um two and a half for me. I am, hmm, I almost went two and a half, but I am, I'm actually going to go three because I don't think it's a complete waste of time. Right. I think people should see it and make up their own mind. And obviously quite a few people have seen it and made up their mm -hmm. mind that they've enjoyed it. So I actually factor that into my score a little bit, you know? Uh, I mean, I don't want to be like, the contrarian for no reason. I mean, I have my reasons why I didn't love it. Right. I think it, it is an adequate horror movie. There are worse out there. There are worse out there on Shutter for 2023. I mean, come on. I mean, oh you know, yeah. Um, you know, I just think it didn't really draw me in, and it's not a movie I, I love. Obviously, I, I think it's a movie for other horror fans and other people. But go see it. Go check it out. It gets a three for me. Mike Hill? Yeah, all right. For me, I was forgetting about this movie as I was watching it. You know what I mean? It was, <laughs> I was, as in real time, I'm watching this movie and forgetting the scenes and wondering why I'm watching this movie with these people in it. And uh, so for me, for Mike Hill, I give it a one and a half. Whoa. Whoa. But if there was, if I was talking to a seventeen-year-old kid, I would say for you, for for you, for you, for me, it's a one and a half. But for you, four. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like it's like for a kid who you know who's part of that generation and who maybe doesn't have, you know, hasn't seen like uh, you know Martyrs or you know or something good like that, they might think it's a great movie and it, they should check it out and hopefully it will open them up to other things. That's how I see it. I mean, look, wow. Friday the 13th Part 1 is a better horror movie than this. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, a, ba a basic bitch horror movie is is kind of better than this, but it's not the worst movie ever. It's it's just not for us, I think. Um, and you're right, like, a, a younger kid, I bet there are kids in their teens or maybe even early 20s that walked out of the theater ranting and raving about this movie and they have apparently according to social media um oh, totally and that's it it just is what it is you know um at least we can back up our opinion we didn't just soaks and you know what i'm saying <laughs> we we talked about the movie and we discussed things we liked about yeah. the movie 
you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, you know, some people may not enjoy our scores, but uh, we are an honest lot. Yes. Yes, we are. And Mike Hill, like I, I, you, you hit it on the head. I, I have a, I have a 24 year old uh, stepdaughter or former stepdaughter. This is something I would recommend for her to watch. Like that seems to be who it's for. Like uh, yeah, or, or people who maybe like appreciate it more than, more than we did, but not a bad film. I will check out uh, what the directors do next. Cause they have some clear uh, technical abilities. So yeah, just yeah, not for me. Mm. You know, like if you're, it's a, it's almost like how like back in the day, like Slipknot was like the gateway band for listening to extreme music. You know what I mean? Right. And even Slipknot now is like a classic band for some people. You know what I mean? But like, sure. It's like you know, this might be the thing that piques your interest into checking out, like where the devil roams or something like that, or something good. Mm. Good point. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes. That's it, man. That's, uh, that's 200 episodes, man. In that the- sure is. Wow. I can't believe it. 200 yeah. episodes. Um, we've got uh, we've got another three-way coming up. Uh, I, I would say uh, er, er, late this year, early next year for a year-end wrap-up, folks. And uh, That's going to be interesting. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. It might not be as long as an episode as we think. And um, then in February... We have a 10-year extravaganza episode, so that should be fun. That's right, Hell man. Yeah. forward to that. That's going to be great. Yes, yes. Well, once again, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. I'd like to thank everyone who's been with us for 200 episodes and also thank everyone who's only been with us for a handful of episodes. I mean, it seems like, you know, it just we just keeps growing and everyone seems real, real supportive and enthusiastic about it, and that's what fuels this whole thing. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for the support. We really appreciate it. And we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Take care. Talk to me! All right, let's rock! One, two, three, four! Shut up!